listening to What I Watch Without You with Caitlin and Esteban, the show where what we watch without each other is what brings us closer together. Yay. Yay. <laughs> Your yay didn't sound as excited as mine did. Well, I didn't want to mess up the recording. Your joy is so powerful that it ruins electronic recording. I'm trying to make it the... Uh, optimal experience for the listener (laughs) (laughs) your joy is so powerful that the listener can't handle it sometimes there's too much joy depressing question is who's gonna go first i mean hands down it's going i'm gonna make you go first because i need to know what you watch without me okay you're gonna know the answer to this because i shared it with you and we might have recorded a version of this already oh i know might have might have we don't know (laughs) We don't know. We don't know. Mm. It's, it's beyond our power. <laughs> the following movies, what do they have in common? Mm-hmm. Tim Burton's Batman, Dead Poet Society, a personal favorite of mine. Is it? Yeah. Mm. Ghostbusters 2, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, a movie I do not like. When, when Harry Met Sally, Turner and Hooch, Lethal Weapon 2, Kiki's Delivery Service, and Weekend at Bernie's. What they have in common is that I have seen most of these. I have seen most of them too. So I I guess, yeah, they do have that in common, but that's the wrong answer. I have not seen Dead Poet Society. Oh, missing out. I have not seen Lethal Weapon 2. I have not seen Weekend at Bernie's. I feel like I have seen Lethal Weapon 2, but it definitely wasn't what I watched without you. And (laughs) what all of these movies have in common for the listener is that all of these movies came out in the summer of 1989. Summer of 89. 89. Yeah. <laughs> it was the summer of 89. It was June and Isn't July. Is song 69? Yeah, I mean, yeah, but we're doing 89 <laughs> for the purposes of this recording. I'm, I'm good. I'm yeah. good with it. They all came out in the summer of 89, June, July. Just heavy hitters. Dead Poet Society. Heavy hitters. Ghostbusters What did they two. hit? Lethal Weapon, the box office. It was Lethal a record breaking. Yeah. I mean, at the time, it was a huge, huge summer for movies. Mm. They're really good movies in retrospect. And then... There's Weekend at Bernie's, which is actually the movie I saw without you. <laughs> Weekend at Bernie's, in okay. terms of mood, it was I was on a trip, so I mm-hmm. was without you, mm-hmm. and I was staying at my friend's home, and he suggested watching Weekend at Bernie's because it's a classic. Also, he had seen it. Okay. Uh, classic. We're using the word classic loosely. Like, you're you're using it loosely. Yeah, my uh, yeah. my definition's very tight. Anyone who who's <laughs> looked at Weekend and Burnis and said that's a classic, they have to know they're using that very loosely. <laughs> I had no idea what Weekend at Bernie was. I I thought I knew, but I didn't. I I knew its name, not its story. I'm just gonna keep it at that. That's very poetic. It is very poetic. <laughs> very dead poet of me. I feel like a lot of people know my name, but not my it's story. <laughs> Going into it, I knew. Bernie was going to die. Yes. Because the whole premise is that there's going to be a dead body. That dances. That dances at some point. <laughs> it is a corpse comedy. What I would describe a as a corpse, corpse comedy. comedy. Not that many. Like Not Corpse that... Bride? Oh, it's Corpse Oh, it's Corpse Bride. A... Oh, well, well it's... she's dead. It's a better it's, cor... but it's yeah, a musical. It's a better corpse comedy than this, I'll tell you that. <laughs> okay, so just I ha- I picked up some little factoids factoids yeah for you know for everyone we could have bernie's uh like i said using the word classic loosely but when it came out it was actually a box office success it did pretty well 
Uh, if we're talking about today's dollars, because okay. I, I did my whole inflation calculator, no. I know it made about thirty million, which in today's dollars would be around sixty million today's in the box dollars. office. Yes, today's dollars. This is planet money or whatever. We're talking about CAD, contemporary American dollars. Contemporary U.S. or Canada. <laughs> yeah, the dollar. <laughs> it had a budget of six point five million dollars back then. Don't they all? So I guess that would have been around twelve point four million. So it made a lot. Twelve point four million. How you much? You're just I trying spent to make me feel bad about inflation. Made on sixty million. Crazy. Uh, but the movie wasn't particularly taken well. Uh, it wasn't. It didn't. It <laughs> critically got, panned. It was critically. People hated it. Okay. Now, okay. I got a few things. You know, I, I figured some little trivia. If you're ever at the uh, bar doing the uh, weekend at Bernie's trivia, I got your back. How did you know? How did I know? <laughs> I know. Well, because last time I went to trivia, I got burned when all the Weekend at Bernie's questions came up. I was like, oh, no, I need to see this quote unquote classic. Oh, my gosh. Okay, tell me. The original name for the movie, supposedly or uh -huh. allegedly, was allegedly. going to be Hot and Cold. Now, this what? was IMDb or I think Wikipedia telling me this, so I didn't believe it. Hot and Cold was going to be the original title. But then I looked at the opening credits and the opening song is entitled Hot and Cold by Jermaine Stewart, which leads me to believe that he probably wrote the song for the film thinking that the film was going to be called Hot and Cold. So I think oh, that one checks out. Like all those Bond movies where it's like Never Say Die and then the song's called Never Say Die. That's what I thought. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, that's why I figured, okay, this one seems legit. Yeah. Uh, but ultimately okay. they, they switched it to... Um, I think I Bernie Weekend at Bernie's was hotter or cooler. Uh, oh my god! I, I know. Did you write that one into your notes? I, I have notes. I'm looking at. Did right you now. plan that joke? I mean, you can follow along. Yeah, I did. I, I refuse I put, to look at these. I put someone this uh, until someone decided Weekend at Bernie's was hotter or cooler or one of those. Oh yeah, god. I wrote it. Oh, it's been planned. It's like I don't even know you anymore. You're writing notes for this. And then, yeah, I am. <laughs> <laughs> and the main stars. And I had to, I wanted to share this with yes. you because I've never seen any of the actors and I've never seen them since then. Okay. And that's the first thing I thought of when I saw it. We can have Bernie start. I was like, who okay. are these guys? Okay. So Andrew McCarthy, who you still don't know. Mm -hmm. I will. Know, I don't know. But f fun, fun, fun thing about him is that he, he became a travel writer. So he's written for like the New York Times and Bon Appetit. The oh, Atlantic, I love Bon Appetit. Yeah, the Wall Street Journal. So this dude became a successful travel writer. Hmm. I guess after Weekend at Bernie's, he realized that acting wasn't it. Or maybe like uh, Weekend at Bernie's inspired him that like if he doesn't get out now out of the biz, he'll be Bernie. He'll be this Bernie. This is it. This Gotta is get it away. His character is Larry Wilson. And Larry Wilson in Weekend at Bernie's is very kind of um, the too cool for school kid. And, and you can tell because he wears really baggy clothes and has really cool... Uh, let's say lingo like relax bro he doesn't say that but i imagine he would say that his bon appetit article is about him taste testing banana bread in maui oh my gosh <laughs> i didn't like him at weekend at bernie's i hated his character i don't like slacker ca uh, characters but he he's writing some some intensive uh what is it investigative journalism yeah, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. he is also he was also in Pretty in Pink, so other people might know him. Because ah. I hear that one's also a classic. You hear? I hear. I've never. So seen you've it. been told. I've, I've never. Seen Who's it. telling you these things? People, uh, the people. Ah, vague. Jonathan Silverman, he plays Richard Parker. He's the actual other guy who is a hard worker. And this guy, when I was looking kind of information about him, mm -hmm. 
uh, it seems like the most interesting thing about him was that he uh, he's friends with David Schwimmer from Friends. Yes. Who wrote? The, who writes? I mean, I mean, I just to be fair, I also am friends with David Schwimmer from Friends. They all went to the same high school, Beverly Hills High well, yeah. School, which I had Naturally. no idea. You've never gone to the Bev? I didn't know the Bev was so hot with alumni. <laughs> we have Angelina Jolie, Nicolas Cage, the Lenny Kravitz, oh my God. <laughs> and David Schwimmer, which obviously that's probably how they met. So it surprises you that like a rich, bougie high school has rich, bougie celebrities coming out of it? Yeah. It's Beverly Hills High School. Well, you know. That's where I want to be. It's, yeah. It's, it's so out of my orbit, you know. I'm more of a uh, summer of 89. Oh, my God. Less of a Beverly Hills. More Ryan Adams. So Ryan Adams. Less, <laughs> I don't know. Less Weezer. I don't know. And then you have <laughs> Terry Kaiser. I believe that's how you... Terry Kaiser. Sure. He plays uh, Bernie Lomax, and that's a dude that dies. Can I ask you a few questions? Oh, uh, yeah. I got notes, so I'm ready. I think... I think... What's this movie about? Other than a dead person named Bernie and a hardworking guy and a slacker. Okay, so I have the, you know, because I, I was thinking maybe I should write a review and share it with you. But because mm -hmm. the movie received some really bad reviews, I figured yes. I could just share them with you. And that would, so instead of having to write a bad review for it, I can just <laughs> read other people's bad reviews of it. They're pretty great. Oh, and I also forgot to mention Catherine Mary Stewart, who yes. plays, whose whole purpose in the movie is just to distract uh, the good boy. So she's a female character. That's yeah, she's a female character. She doesn't do anything other than just distract one of the main characters. Um, I forgot his name already. From playing with a dead body. Uh, from leaving and calling the cops. Okay. Okay. Tell us more. Okay. So, the one one really scathing review I found, which mm -hmm. you know, we'll see how far I get into it because it's pretty long. This for, is a very long. Yeah, review. for someone who hated the movie, they wrote a lot. So this is from the Austin Chronicle, obviously from the summer of 89. Mm -hmm. At last, a summer comedy with something to offend everyone. Weekend at Bernie's is a laugh riot featuring a dead body, a couple of dis uh, despicable main characters, a funny hitman, and enough TNA to satisfy even the most jaded Charlie's Angels fan. Oh, God. What more could anyone want? Well, plenty, actually. <laughs> this is the kind of film that makes most thinking, feeling, breathing human beings ask, why? And what is that story? Try this on for size, and this is where we get the answers. <laughs> there are these two jerks who work in New York ins in a New York insurance film, so yes. it was insurance. Mm -hmm. Richard, who is Silverman, friends with Schwimmer, which is not part of the... Uh, okay, keep going. Is a lovable, jet dorky, straight-laced, hard-working, pathological liar. Mm. <laughs> they really mm. stuck that one in there. <laughs> His buddy, Larry McCarthy, is a cool, smug, leering, Worldly wise lacy twit. Ah. One day they learn that someone's trying to defraud their company. Bum bum bum. They tell their boss, Bernie Lomax, <laughs> Kaiser, only to find that, surprise, Bernie's the guy doing the defrauding. Naturally, naturally. Yeah, you see that coming from mm -hmm, a mile away. Mm -hmm. To silence our heroes, he invites them to his beach house where he's concocted a scheme to have them both killed by a hitman, as one does when mm -hmm, they're caught defrauding. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, the boss's underworld body, buddies, buddies, decide to uh, kill Bernie instead. He's getting too careless, you see. That's not what's happening. Bernie is cheating with the boss's wife. There we go. So it's not just they decide to kill Bernie instead. No, Bernie's becoming a liability. And also, you know, the boss probably doesn't like you know, the whole Bernie sleeping with my wife aspect. Silverman and McCarthy <clears throat> arrive at the beach house. They find him dead. Do they call the cops? Nope. Party time. So Rick and Mortis, not an issue. 
any bodily waste? Nothing. No one cares. Odors? No one notices. A Saturday Night Live could have spun this material into a terrific five-minute sketch. Stretched out to a feature length is just appalling. And if we look at all the other reviews, because Rolling Stone did one, Roger uh, Roger Ebert did one, they all basically say the, say the same thing. This is an exercise in taking one poor joke <laughs> and spreading it out for an hour and a half, I think. So Kind of like what I do at Thanksgiving. It's exactly what it is. It's Thanksgiving. <laughs> so yeah, that's the, that's the whole premise of the movie. They arrive, Bernie's dead. Instead of calling the cops as one should... They don't notice. They come in. They find out he's dead. And when they're about to call the police, uh-huh. all of the guests to the beach house, because it's a party mansion, okay. show up. <laughs> and I, they think they're done. That's it. They're going to know Bernie's dead. And we might we might get blamed here. Oh. But instead, nobody at the beach house realizes that he's dead. Instead, they, they try to have conversations with him. They sit with him. They joke around with him. It's wonderful. That's weird. It's extremely existential. The fact that they did not know Bernie at all to the point where a dead Bernie is it's basically the same, the as, same a life as, as a life Bernie. And in fact, and in fact, dead Bernie seems to be a lot cooler and more fun <laughs> than life Bernie. So That's dark. It is extremely dark. Uh, I did not know the movie was so dark. Isn't that um, isn't that like people's deepest fear that like their dead version of themselves is more interesting than they are when they're alive? It's not a fear I've ever had until watching <laughs> this movie. I think. <laughs> so what if people liked me more if I was dead and just hanging out? Rigor mortis never kicks in, so Bernie's malleable the whole time. There's another scene where, and this actually will bring mm-hmm. up another fact that I have. There's another scene where they're trying to get off the island because the beach house is actually, mm-hmm. I think, in an island. It doesn't matter. They have okay. to take a ferry there. Uh, they're in New York. And they need to get back. They need to leave because... They have work in the morning. Also, there's hitmen after Bernie. Okay. Because by them doing this gag of... They think Bernie's still they alive. They think Bernie's still alive. So they're constantly trying to kill him. And they don't know how he keeps surviving. Well, he's not alive. So they're trying to get off. And they're on the, they're on you know a little boat or whatever, jet uh-huh. boat. And Bernie falls off, but he's kind of tied to it. So the whole time they're driving this boat, kind of a speed boat, they're dragging him along and he's hitting different things in the water. Well, apparently the the stunt double, uh, Terry Kaiser's double, Uh Bernie Lomax, he broke ribs during that scene. Yeah. Because he was actually hitting uh, kind of of metal and floating obstacles. He broke some ribs, which is great. The scene is one of the the few genuinely funny scenes. You like slapstick (laughs) comedy. Uh, Yeah, I laughed. But it was, like we said, dark, dark, dark Yeah, yeah. So um, what do you feel like was your sort of like takeaway or something that you really thought about after watching this film? The big takeaway, one, obviously, how do you make a joke that should have been like the uh, that Austin Chronicle review said, a five minute <laughs> SNL skit? How do you take that and make that an hour and a half? It was truly inspiring. It made me think, hey, <laughs> I can make a movie. <laughs> Maybe I could make a movie. I have a lot of five minute, three to five minute ideas. Hmm. How do I stretch those out? They made a second one. Just I what? They made a second one. Don't ask me questions because I didn't look into it. <laughs> But we know this one was a hit. It made enough money for them to make a second one. How do you make a second one? I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. And also the whole existential your dead self is uh, apparently more popular than your alive self. Maybe maybe the sequel would be the other way around. Because I'm not willing to look up what the sequel's about. Maybe they keep acting like the person's dead, but they're really alive. 
maybe someone who is just like charisma black hole <laughs> no and they keep thinking he's dead he's like say, guys i'm alive to... it's a throwback yeah <laughs> maybe i don't know i don't know what i'm do not you make? dead i'm not dead like, shh, shh. give up the ghost that makes me think of um uh oh gosh i cannot remember what it's called but there's a um a movie about superheroes but they're like really really uh stupid uh, superheroes one of them's Ben Stiller, and he plays like Mr. Furious, where he just gets really mad and breaks things. But so there's this one character, um, and he's the invisible boy. But the problem is he's only invisible when no one's watching. Oh, I think I know. <laughs> Which is horrible. Only invisible when no one's watching. Aren't we so, all? Aren't know, we all? I know. So he has to make everyone turn around so that he can turn invisible. <laughs> See, Which that, I do like. That's a great five-minute premise that can yeah. be turned into an hour and a half or so. In there was, the, uh, there's more to it. But... Within a Bernie's universe. <laughs> I know. I like just taking that one idea. Yeah. And let's see. Well, another example um, in that same... Uh which I will find the title of that movie, but another example inside of that movie that was just like a very, very short, like a very short clip is that there's a scene where they interview superheroes. Um... And so they're interviewing people to see who they want to join their crew. And one of them, it's a lady who comes up and she's just really uh, like irritated. And um, she's wearing like a red dress and they ask her what she does. And she says she's the PMS Avenger. And that's it. That's the whole bit. I would watch a whole movie where she was a superhero. I would would not. See, I would. That's where I draw the line between corpse (laughs) comedy and just, come on, that's a one minute bit. (laughs) <laughs> no, 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 no. You got to draw the line. But your whole movie is about stretching a very short bit into a long bit. I would see this stretched out. But in to the... To, <laughs> should <laughs> Go pe- ahead. Should people watch this movie? Yes, but I think... I don't know. who. Why would you watch this movie? Because um, it's a classic? Because you mm-hmm. want... Because when people, you know, when you're caught doing trivia and the Weekend at Bernie's question comes up, you want to <laughs> be ready. You want to attack. So this uh, is for people who want to like be informed. Or maybe you're a big <laughs> fan of Summer of 89 movies. Uh, and this one, you know, kind of, you, you got to watch this. You're watching Ghostbusters 2. All of a sudden you realize I got to watch another Summer of 89. We can have Bernie's. Let's go. That would be like a fun challenge to like pick a, like, like say next summer, 2020. If we pick like uh 20 years before and we pick like 19, like, like maybe 2000, and we watch all the movies that were released the summer of 2000 in the summer of 2020. Yeah. That would be fun. That would be fun. I would do a summer of 89 summer. So maybe that's why you would watch Weekend of Bernie's. <laughs> and yeah, they take that one joke. There's some scenes mm-hmm. that are crazy. It's It gets really creepy what you can do with a dead body. So oh. like that, the reviewer said, you know, it has a little bit something to offend everyone. So just Aww. be ready when you're going in. And yep. That's what I watched without you. Oh, and just as a note, um, that movie with Ben Stiller is called Mystery Men. Oh, and I watched The Invisible Man. Boy yes. is played by Kel Mitchell. Gosh, I watched Mystery mm-hmm. Men. Mm-hmm. It's so good. I gotta watch it again. <laughs> okay, so, so what, what have you been watching without me? First off, I have like a list of things that I've watched without you. A long, long list. But I'm trying not to double up on kind of like genres. So um, I know that eventually I'm going to talk about more British mysteries because I watch like a lot of those. Mm-hmm. So the four British mystery series as I watched without you, I will not talk about. Okay. What I want to talk about is 
the 2006 comedy drama fantasy film Stranger Than Fiction. Um, now this movie I've seen like, what, have you heard of this movie first off? I, I've heard of the title for sure. I've, I've, I've heard it. I've never seen it. It's got a fantastic cast. Um, it stars Will Ferrell. I know him. Maggie Gyllenhaal. I know her. Queen Latifah. I know her. Emma Thompson. Who? Who that? Harry Potter? Is that Harry Potter? No. Is that Hermione? No. Who's Hermione? Emma Watson. Oh. Well, Emma yeah. Thompson is can... Academy Award nominated actress. Well, nominated. Well, she's probably won. I just didn't want to put my money on that. Um, Emma Thompson and what's his name? Dustin Hoffman. Oh, Rainman. That's all you've got for Dustin Hoffman? Yeah. Okay. So Emma Thompson, um, she was in, oh my gosh, she was in Saving Mr. Banks. She was in Howard's Inn, Love Actually, Sense and Sensibility, King Lear, Bridget Jones's Baby. Um, lots of things. So, oh yeah, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. Whoa, see how right I was? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's be fair. Every British actor and actress has been in Harry Potter. Well, you know, I, I called it. I call it how you I see it. Him. You called it. Okay, okay, okay. Anyway, so this movie, basically, to give you like a quick synopsis, um, this guy, Harold Crick, is um an insurance auditor. Not insurance. Tax auditor. So he's literally a tax man. And so one day he's going about his very, very boring life. Um, and then he realizes that he's, his, like what he's doing is being narrated like by an outside British woman narrator, narrated by Emma Thompson. Um, and then he realizes he can hear the narrator and then the narrator predicts his death. She said, little did he know this seemingly innocuous event would lead to his inevitable death. The conundrum for Harold Crick is... Call it Harold. Yes. Harold. Will he accept his fate? Um, or will he fight it? Oh, it's a will he, won't he? Yes. Um, and oh, oh my God. Isn't every movie a will he, won't he? Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> so the conundrum he faces is, um, will he accept this life that's been written for him? Um, and then also, how much can his deviation from the life he's been living, like he learns to play guitar, he woos Maggie Gyllenhaal, who is an anarchist baker. Um, so how much can that actually change things? And then the conundrum for the lady writing his life is that she spends half the movie with writer's block trying to figure out how to kill his character. Um, and then sort of what does it mean to kill a character in story? And what does it mean to get so much meaning from someone dying? And yeah, so that's basically in essence, the whole thing. Maggie Gyllenhaal uh -huh. plays a baker anarchist. Yes. An anarchist baker. How can we incorporate? Let Her them eat bakery cake. is literally called the Uprising. Let them eat cake <laughs> at the Uprising. I don't get it. <laughs> Let them eat cake. Are you poisoning the cakes to kill off the bourgeoisie? <laughs> what is going on, Maggie? What's her name in the uh, movie? Oh goodness, I should know this. I can call her Maggie. Um, that, that's my thing. I mean, what, yeah, what, you can call her Maggie. What's, what's an anarchist name? Anna Pascal. Gosh, I would Ms. not. Miss Pascal. Anna Pascal. Oh, all of them are Wait. named after scientists, oh, okay. their last names. Okay. So like Harold Crick, Anna Pascal, Eiffel is uh, the lady who's writing the book, Karen Eiffel. Oh, uh, yeah. I don't know enough about scientists. Like built the Eiffel Tower. Um, yeah. Uh, that's a scientist? Well, yeah. He had to know science to do it. I suppose. I don't know. Okay, so we have mm -hmm. existential crisis. Mm -hmm. We have the anarchist, mm -hmm. and we have an author who has had writer's block for how long? Has she Ten been years? So has she been <laughs> writing all of his life 
for 10 years just for 10 years uh-huh so at one point she starts writing a story and he gets sucked in no they never explain how it happens oh perfect how it happens no idea that's oh. where the fantasy thing comes in where you're just like what how that huh? is perfect because you know it keeps the dream alive the dream that one day you'll wake up and <laughs> another human being will start dictating your whole life <laughs> writing it <laughs> sentence by sentence there's page this, by page there's <laughs> this really good scene yeah. where um like he resets his watch because it dies based on the time someone gave him and then the narrator goes he didn't see anything important about this day harold just thought it was a wednesday and he goes what and lisa the lady next to him and goes did you hear that harold just thought it was a wednesday and she goes who's harold and he goes i am and she goes don't worry it is a wednesday so the lady next to him yes. also heard the narrator. no oh, okay. don't worry it is a wednesday that's a sloppy narrating <laughs> So she no only he hears the narrator only she he only he hears yeah. emma thompson yeah and who is the nyu professor is does does, does the nyu dustin professor? hoffman dustin no. hoffman does dustin hoffman play a big role yes okay who is the antagonist there's no antagonist there, no. it's no. just no i'm trying to come to terms with and the, figure out what's happening does when it's the, kind of like a mystery but not a mystery mystery when the narrator finds out that her actions are actually impacting harold mm -hmm. Does she stop? Um, yes. She was literally typing it and she doesn't know what to do. And so she's struggling with how to end her book. Um, she has a bit of um, conflict because it's been taking her 10 years um, and her publishers are basically demanding it. Like, where's, where's your book, lady? Um, and so... Uh, are, are you telling me that Harold's life was that interesting that the publisher was asking, really asking for the completed novel? Is his life that great? No. So what the whole she... thing is, the whole book is supposed to lead up to his death. It's called Death and Taxes. Oh. And he's in an, like, yeah. And so he works for the IRS as an auditor. Um, and it's all about, to, it, it's about the interconnectedness of life that leads up to his death. Death and so, Taxes? Yes. And so the uh, whole thing why is. Why couldn't she call it a taxing life? Because she didn't want to? Because she's, well, because it took her 10 years to write something. So obviously she wasn't going to come up with that title. <gasps> okay. So she, uh, yeah, Death and Taxes. And so you see it, but they're never named characters. That there's a little boy on a bicycle and a lady who's looking for a job who eventually um, begins to become a bus driver. Um, that you see their stories interweave with his. And so you see them doing things while Harold does things. And so the whole point of the book was supposed to be how our lives affect one another and how these two, um, yeah, the idea of these seemingly innocuous events leading to this large thing about like where he gets hit by a bus saving a child. So he saves the little boy. He gets hit by the woman driving the bus. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Interconnected of it all. Yeah. Does she write Harold going to the bathroom? Or does Harold never use the restroom? Gross. Now, in the film, I'm going Gross. to believe that they never show that. Because Gross. films don't tend to show Gross. the reality Gross. of life, which involves Gross. using restrooms. Gross. So, yeah. Gross. I'm going to Gross. assume she doesn't... She doesn't write every moment. She writes... The dirty realism. She's some no, moments. What is it? Bukowski or whatever. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. <laughs> Um, like, for example, when he's trying to um, sort of like woo Anna Pascal, um, she doesn't narrate any of like how he does it. But like after like they um, like he's staying over at her house and he's like holding her at like three in the morning. And it sa uh, says like like he like hears her narrate like he knew in that moment Anna Pascal was falling in love. Anna Pascal, does that mean that all of these other characters are also written? Are they actual humans? Are they in control of their actions? 
use so many questions about the mechanics of a movie that's like an hour and 45 minutes long. It's still longer than Wicked at Bernie's. <laughs> it didn't world build. It, it didn't, didn't world build. <laughs> Gosh. Yeah. It only has a 72% on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm sure if it had gone inception level of like exposition where they literally have like whole scenes where like Michael Caine's sole purpose as a character is to explain what's happening. I'm sure we would have a better sense of this world. We don't know. We know that Anna Pascal's mentioned um, and we know that whenever Anna Pascal's mentioned, um, it's in reference to Harold. But otherwise, nothing about her is mentioned. So you're telling me that no one has written a Matrix-like philosophy textbook on this movie talking about the intricacies of human agency vis-a-vis a narrator slash author who controls your every move. I'm disappointed. Someone needs to get on that. Not me, because I haven't seen this movie, but it's you, Caitlin. Your nerd is showing. I know, my nerd, nerd is showing. Your nerd is showing. Your philosophy nerd. Only, only because this movie has, well, there's all has sorts inspired of- me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. oh yes i'm, <laughs> I'm inspired <laughs> this life is taxing i really really like it uh when i was a high school student because i've loved this movie since i was 18 years old so when i was a high school senior slash a college freshman i really really wanted to be maggie gyllenhaal's character anna pascal there's a scene where she wears these like skinny jeans like these dark wash skinny jeans and this like white wife beater kind of tank top and this little like shrug jackety thing over it and when she wears it like she just looks super cool i literally bought an outfit as close to that as i could get that i would wear oh. my freshman year of high school <laughs> did it work for you did you feel magic yelling hulk uh, anna pascal cool i mean i wanted to i'd never succeeded that's all right what the time I, you know like uh... you know you don't want to be a complete copy you gotta make it your own <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I wasn't an anarchist baker. I was like a really anxious undergrad. Yeah, I'm not a... <laughs> can I be an anarchist sous chef? I don't want to own a bakery. I also don't want to own a restaurant. Can I mm-hmm. just be the middle guy? That kind of anarchist. They like want... an anarchist waitress. I'll nope. serve you food, but not because I have to. Like what? when the revolution starts, I'm going <laughs> to wait a little to see how it goes. And then I'm going to pick a side. That I... kind of anarchist. So you mean a hesitant anarchist. A hesitant anarchist. <laughs> I'll let the chef go. And, you know, if they need me, <laughs> you know, I'll check my schedule. <laughs> Got to check my schedule. Well, um, she is great for a lot of reasons um also because the sort of subplot where they fall in love is a relief from the sort of existential questions of the overarching narrative um and also because she helps like there's a really big um like scene where he has to figure out if he's in a comedy or a tragedy because professor hibbert um, so Professor Hilbert, who um, is played by Dustin Hoffman, gives him some literary tests to figure out what book he might be in. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> it's very fun. Yeah. It includes lines like, are you a golem? Are you sure? I'm not a golem. So he has to figure out if he's in a comedy or a tragedy. And so um, basically the way Professor Hilbert explains it is uh, in a comedy, you get hitched in, um, in a tragedy, you die. And so basically he uses his experience auditing Anna Pascal and her response to him. Like, is it witty? Is there banter? Because there's animosity at first. He's auditing her and that's how he meets her. Yeah. Um, and so he uses that animosity. Like, is it turning to like affection? Could it be transformed into a will they, won't they? Or is it like, she hates me. I suck. I will die. Um, and so, yeah. Yeah. You either get hitched or you die. Yes. 
And it's important to look at Anna Pascal's character because what if she's a sociopath? <laughs> and she knows and she can hear the narrator. And she can hear the narrator, <laughs> one. And two, she's also a serial killer. And she's a black, she's a wi- she a black widow. Narrator. She is the narrator. And sh- she's coming up with a plan to kill Will Ferrell's character. Very convoluted, existential, fantastical yeah. plan. <laughs> a, a perfect crime for a serial killer. Oh my the, gosh. The author, that's what they call her. She leaves little <laughs> page notes where the she editor. describes the editor, where mm. she describes the scene of the death. The police <laughs> taken aback. Really, they need to do a Mindhunter episode on this one. Mindhunter. <laughs> Check it out. Netflix. Oh my gosh. Well, anyway, the big thing, like I love this movie. I've loved this movie since, as I mentioned, I was 18 years old. I watched it again to see if it holds up. Like it's been over 10 years since I probably, well, maybe over seven years since I've watched it, over 10 years since I've been like really into it. Um, I still like it. I still enjoyed it. Something that is less comfortable for me something that I like a lot less than I did when I first saw it and was into it is the romance between Harold Crick and Anna Pascal between Will Ferrell and Maggie Gyllenhaal why well Will Ferrell does a really good job in this of playing sort of like a semi-comic character it's not outright comedy like he usually does although he plays a bit of a comedic role because he's a bit bumbling as he tries to figure out what's happening with his life um he's a little silly but there's something about him that feels really young. Like, I think you guys, you and I were talking about it, like, like the idea of, like, a man-child. Mm. He feels like he, he plays this man-child character. Yes, yeah. And there's something kind of uncomfortable or weird about this man-child character um, romancing a, a, a woman who feels like an adult woman. It's the same thing that happens with him in Elf. Because that's, yes. that's when we first started talking about yes. this. Yes. Him... Because in Elf, he plays... A man-child. A man-child. A grown man, mind of a child. Grown man, mind of a child who falls in love with an adult woman. Yeah. An adult woman. A jaded adult woman, too, which is a little uncomfortable. Is that the same thing with Maggie Gyllenhaal? No, character? she's not jaded. Well, she's an anarchist. She's really sweet. Yeah, but she like says she wants to help the world through baking. Well, obviously, because she's an <laughs> There's anarchist. There's some sweetness. So there is some sort of fire in there. <laughs> some revolutionary fire. Okay, okay. Uh, but yeah, no, I hate that trope. And... and and it's just sort of hard to stomach. It's not, and there's no name for it, not yet. There's, I don't think I there's mean, a there name. I mean, there might be. I don't. I haven't looked it up. Mm-hmm. But I don't know what is that. It's <laughs> not great. It's not a fun trope. But when it yeah. comes to the guy, like Colin Farrell does it. Will Farrell. I think Will the Farrell. closest. <laughs> Colin, Colin Farrell. Oh Colin. no. I think the closest might be Manic Pixie. Uh, Manic yeah. Pixie Dream Girl. Um, for those of you listening, uh, what you want to think about is like Garden State. Um, and Natalie Portman's role in Garden State. This idea of like sweet and um sort of like uh the reason why they say manic pixie is this idea of like leaning too hard into being indie and different and quirky and well, unusual I don't, I don't know if someone would say indie but they are quirky yeah, and unusual, quirky and unusual. And probably kind of go with the flow they're unpredictable and mm-hmm. whimsical i like whimsical as yeah, a word. yeah yeah in the sense of like the man stuck in the everyday humdrum life needs to be rescued by the like yeah, so fantastical, the, like yeah. carefree, like delightful, like fantastical, sort of almost childlike no, woman. It, yeah, it's it's whimsy. It's fantastical. The magic. It's magical. Mm-hmm. The magic. Yeah. What is it? Dream pixie girl magic. Yeah, comes in to save the male protagonist in uh-huh. Garden State. Is Zach Braff? Yeah, Braff, Braff. Yeah, yeah, you got it. In, I don't know if in the the movie you're describing it would qual it would qualify no. as that, but we do have a childish kind of character. Yeah. 
He doesn't but, save her. But this time it's the ki- the guy character and he doesn't save anyone. No, he well, he has to work on himself. He, well, he needs saving. Yeah. And so he really does. Um, That's something that Professor Hilbert challenges him where he says, I think I'm living in a tragedy. I think I'm going to die. And he says, well, how about you just make what you've got left the life you've always wanted. And so he he just, you know, starts doing stuff. So we need to find a name for that. And my suggestion would be kind of a baby Wawa character. <laughs> Okay, explain your reference. Baby Wawa, baby Wawa sad boy. <laughs> uh, baby Wawa for people who don't know where I'm getting that from. Last <laughs> season office. of The Office, Andy <laughs> Bernard goes off and tries to make it as an acapella singer. So he goes to... He tries out on American Idol. America, no, it's an, uh, America's like next acapella start. Oh my gosh. So it's yeah, an acapella yeah, yeah, yeah. competition. <laughs> uh, and he goes and sings the, I guess, the Cornell fight song. Oh my gosh. And it doesn't go well. <laughs> they hate the song. And he breaks down and, and starts cries. to cry. And when they were, you know, taping The Office, it was at a time when kind of making YouTube auto uh, YouTube auto-tune videos yeah, of people yeah. was hot. Uh-huh. So in the show, they take <laughs> on that idea and they they show that they auto-tune Andy Bernard's audition. <laughs> and they made a whole thing of him crying there. And the big thing was, I'm just going to sit here and cry. So they made a song out of that. And he becomes known as Baby, Baby Wawa, Wawa, who couldn't get what he wanted. So he just broke down and cried in front of millions. <laughs> and everyone just loved it and laughed at him for it. Mm. So he becomes Baby Wawa. Okay. Which I think appeals to our child who needs to be saved sensibility in this movie. Yeah. And then the sad boy without explanation yeah baby yeah Wawa, baby, baby Wawa Wawa sad sad boy. Boy. <laughs> <laughs> which is also a an anime i'm gonna be writing real soon like devil man cry baby baby ba- Wawa sad baby boy Baby Wawa sad boy like oh that's a great <laughs> great anime <laughs> um so can you think of any other baby wawas well obviously elf uh, elf that's uh-huh. another baby wawa so we have the character here from this movie you're describing strangers in fiction mm-hmm. we have elf I'm trying to think of another baby Wawa. Gosh. I feel like... In what movies do... I feel like in some action films, there's a little bit of a baby Wawa element. Are they baby Wawa sad boys? I'm not necessarily sad boys, because I would say Elf is not sad. He's sad for a little. He gets sad, doesn't he? Well, everyone's sad for a little. Well, in the movie, I can't remember. I haven't seen it in a while. (laughs) Uh, Well, Christmas is coming. Just you wait. Baby Wawa sad boy. I don't know. Maybe that's a challenge. Maybe we have to. Oh, I know. This is a this is like a real, real long stretch. But Bing Crosby in both the movies Holiday Inn and White Christmas. If we're going to go with Christmas films. No, no, no. Let me explain. So a trope that shows up in a lot of Bing Crosby films, especially when he's with another male, is the idea that his woman gets stolen. The idea that uh, he gets cheated on or abandoned. And so he sort of leads with that sort of woundedness in relationships in a lot of his films, which basically turns into him complaining about being sad about dating to a lot of the women that he dates. So I feel like that's sort of like... Even though he plays an adult, there's definitely like an intense baby Wawa element to a lot of his characters. I'm getting more of a sad boy element as opposed to a baby Wawa element. He can be a sad boy. Yeah, he sounds like a sad boy. But he's a sad boy. The baby Wawa sad boy combination, uh, that special magical creature, (laughs) has to be a grown grown adult man (laughs) acting like a child who is also sad. (laughs) <laughs> and needs saving. That's the baby Wawa sad boy. And the challenge is you got to identify all the ones. Up. 
Yeah, I don't remember it, but I, I would actually, yeah, mm-hmm. I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 40 year old virgin. Yeah, well, any Seth Rogen. Yeah, uh, the 40 year old uh, virgin with um, Steve mm-hmm. Carell. He, I feel like there's a whole genre of baby Wawa films. I don't. Me. I don't think anyone has actually put them together. But um, if we were to put together the characters, uh-huh. I think more of the baby Wawa's hat boy trope would reveal itself to us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but obviously, that's for professors to do. That's <laughs> beyond what we can do right uh-huh. now. Leave it to film scholars <laughs> to, uh, to uh, the, what is it? Deconstruct baby Wawa's yeah. hat boy. Yeah. But I like it though. Um, I feel like it sort of hits the thing that I don't like as much. And I think maybe when I was younger, it was less distasteful to me because I was young. And so the idea of having sort of like a young, um, emotionally inexperienced, um, sort of closed off, um, struggling, sort of like... uh, like mentally like just yeah like like emotionally and mentally inexperienced person it was like like I was and so it didn't feel weird for them to be together um but now like the fact that he can't like sort of talk to her this the the way he fumbles through and sort of the joking comedy way that he tries to woo her is like cringy it's like oh god go home so what this has done is this made me really interested in going back and watching films that I really loved when I was young um, to see how much age sort of changes my experience and what I want. Um, for example, uh, Will Ferrell's character will quit his job. I'm like, why? Just work less. Oh my gosh. You know, they were like, you have six weeks of vacation days saved up. Okay, just don't be like that. How about that? Well, this was, wasn't this before 2008? <laughs> Yes. Yeah, you could do that before the housing <laughs> you crisis. Quit. You could just stop. Yeah, <laughs> they were giving out jobs, just you know, oh left my and right. Gosh. <laughs> before the you know financial crisis. Yeah, you could do that then. Sad. Yeah. Sad. sad. Yeah, baby, what was that boy? <laughs> Maybe I'm baby, what was that boy? Um, but so, uh, yeah, like I'm really interested because. Um, it wasn't until I was about 25. So maybe that was the turn when I started joking that all I want is a man with health insurance. <laughs> and so I feel like that that sort of shift shows here that at the time I thought the romance was so cute between them. And now I'm like, ooh, if you can't tell her how you feel, then okay, whatever, leave her alone. I was recently introduced to... By you, obviously. Mm-hmm, I was recently introduced to What We Do in the Shadows. Yay! A mockumentary, which at some point we should probably discuss in detail. But that's not this point. <laughs> not, I didn't just introduce you to uh, the movie, though. The reason we watched the movie, which is a mockumentary and, uh, New mm-hmm. Ze- from New Zealand... About vampires. About vampires and just their life, kind of. <laughs> really, it is just that the mundane life of being a vampire. Having vampire and what roommates. they do. Having vampire roommates, <laughs> living in a vampire house. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it sounds great, it's because it's great. <laughs> the reason we watched it, it's because there's a new FX series that's uh, streaming on Hulu now. That's uh, entitled the same thing, What We Do in the Shadows. It's... it's inspired by it it's inspired by it uh by it it uh uh, happens in the same universe and you do get some scenes with the original cast Mm -hmm. Uh, so it just got me thinking what kind of vampire would i be uh what kind of vampire would i be 
what would be my mundane thing? <laughs> and that's that's what I want to explore, kind of. So I'll leave. Uh, I'll, I'll throw that question to you because I want to hear. I want to hear because you you were sitting with me while we did the whole kind of ten hour thing where we watched the whole thing. <laughs> you were there with me. I so, was. So what would your vampire mockumentary? What would you? My be? vampire sauna. Yeah, your vampire mm. sauna. What is your vampire <laughs> sauna, Caitlin? Well, I feel like um, judging from watching the 10 hours that we watched. Um, so I feel like it has to be loosely based on who I am now. So first off, I would be a very, very messy vampire. So like I would have one of those probably like like really big homes that's kind of like filthy and full of clutter. Um, and like I would probably have a familiar who helped me clean and my relationship with my familiar would mostly be just telling them not to throw away certain things and getting really upset. Yeah. No, no, not this. I've had this candle for 700 years. So you'd be a hoarder, a vampire <laughs> hoarder. Uh, just for people who might not be familiar <laughs> with the uh, what we do in the shadows yes, lingo. Yes, A familiar, unlike a witch, a witch will have an animal familiar, mm -hmm. uh, someone who's dependent on them and usually... I say this like I know. <laughs> some form of uh, magical ability. Mm -hmm. In the vampire world, a familiar, according to this mockumentary, so in this universe, yes. a familiar is just a human being who... Helps you. Helps you, works for you, uh -huh. and usually uh, with the hopes of becoming a vampire themselves. So yes. there seems to be always a promise that mm -hmm. at some point you will turn your familiar... But if there's anything we've learned from watching do, uh, the mockumentaries is They're that... They're very, very slow to do it. The promises are very, very empty. <laughs> Who no knew? contracts. Oh, it turns out getting free labor <laughs> and having someone just obey you the whole time. Who would want to give that up? Not these vampires. <laughs> so you are living in a very messy house, which actually mm -hmm. is... Um, up to par with everything else we watch. None yeah. of those vampires, right? No, they're not particularly clean. tidy. No. You're living in a huge mansion, mm -hmm. vampire mansion, vampire party house. And it's messy. It sounds like you're collecting a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be you just telling your familiar not to throw things away. <laughs> Please, not these newspapers. <laughs> not, the, not these newspapers. I'm going to read them. But that means I would also have a really tense, sort of like weird relationship with my familiar because my familiar would end up throwing stuff away. Because I would need, like, the house would, need, like, we'd need to be able to move through it. And so it would be them simultaneously, like, listening to me and, like, helping me with, like, it's okay, it's okay. I won't throw them away. And then when I'm not looking, throwing them away. Oh. <laughs> it's not a good familiar. <laughs> or it's a great familiar. Sounds like fami that familiar is not going to make it a long time. Because maybe that's what I really want, is I it to know. be clean. To be clean. <laughs> the clean vampire. Um, and then I think. What would be your name? Oh, gosh. Catalina the what? Archivist. Okay, archive. You're mean. You're giving yourself. <laughs> you're really kind of uh, glamorizing. Stretching. You're glamorizing the whole kind of just collecting and not throwing away. But okay, the archivist. Um, maybe. Um, I would say maybe Catalina the secret. What do you mean the secret? Because I wouldn't come out very often. I would. I would kind of like stay very private. Oh, okay, the mm -hmm. secret. Because otherwise, I, I don't think, like, I would really have, like, a big social job where I would help people. Yeah, and, yeah. The least helpful, the least scary and the least helpful of all vampires. One that just really wants to be left alone. Mm. <laughs> all right. All right. Now it's your turn. That's it? That's it in terms of, like, I guess, yeah, I mean. When well, you're, what else would I do? No, you're right. When you're immortal, there's no deadlines anymore. 
Kind yeah, of. that's the thing. Like, if if we've learned anything from watching this show, it's that they don't do very much. Yeah, there's no... Um, <laughs> yeah, they get bored much. often. Well, I guess once the whole burden of, you know, mortality I think is I would, lifted, you I think, don't do much. I think I would have a lot of vampire children. I think the idea of, like, training them how to, like, teaching, I think I would enjoy that. And I think I would be simultaneously, like, really pleased and proud of them and also simultaneously very annoyed that they would talk to me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I would have no vampire children. <laughs> I'm on the fence about having a familiar, to be honest. So my vampire persona, uh huh. what do you call it? Vam- vampire-sona? Vampire-sona? It's mm. a portmanteau. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. My vampire-sona. Mm-hmm. I don't want a big mansion because a big mansion invites vampire children. And bats. Invites <laughs> different bats. Invites Roaches. more vampires, <laughs> bugs, and many familiars. Which uh-huh. means lots of people or at least creatures around. Uh-huh. And I don't want that. So Would I'm, you have an apartment? I'm living in a big city, <laughs> uh-huh. overpriced apartment. <laughs> <laughs> not particularly large i'm basically just like coffin oh it's kind of like those japanese uh those japanese those capsule homes yeah capsule homes oh that would be so great a capsule home <laughs> a capsule home would be so great because you don't need a kitchen so not not only am i saving money because mm-hmm. i'm only buying i'm only paying for the essentials here <laughs> just a place for me to put my coffin that's it so i like it i have one of these capsule apartments it's still overpriced for what it is, but you know, it's a big city. What am I going to do? And it <laughs> kind of leaves me open to lots of uh, meals. Where would you live? Uh, just any city. I mean, this is a fantastic universe anyway. It's true. It's so true. Any city that uh, has capsule the homes. capsule homes. In terms of um, my nickname, I would be Stefan. So I'm switching one letter, you know, because <laughs> I don't want to make it too complicated. So Stefan the spooky and follow me here yeah, yeah. <laughs> the like, spooky the spooky and the reason i'm calling stuff on the spooky is because every day's halloween every day's halloween and i like to scare what's everything every day oh every day is halloween and everything i was gonna say everything every day is halloween? and everything is halloween i like to go around at night with a jack-o'-lantern with a pumpkin on my head and scare people i kill some of them but not all of them you put a pumpkin on your head? Yeah, it's spooky. That's what I do. So... I scare people. Do I, you keep the pumpkins in your capsule? I buy, I buy new ones. I mean, I'm also super rich. But what if they're out of season? I fly to where they are in season. <laughs> I mean, again, there's That's no limits. That's not a place. There's no limits. <laughs> I grow my own. I have a guy. I go on Amazon. I know how to use the internet in this world. I want an endless supply of jack-o'-lanterns, or I guess pumpkins, which I will probably turn into jack-o'-lanterns. You can have a plastic with one. With little fangs. And I scare people. Also, I get to go to clubs. They know me. Yeah. And I'll do the DJ thing. You, oh, my gosh. Like, like that. <laughs> yeah. Like that mouse. But it's <laughs> dead. Well, I am dead because I'm a vampire. Uh, and so. Pumpkin Jack. Stefan the Spooky is your. Uh, Stefan the Spooky is a.k.a. Pumpkin Jack. Pumpkin Jack is your DJ name. Yeah. Pumpkin Jack is my DJ name, which works because it's a pumpkin. And then the, the microphone or the you, uh, Jack, you know. Oh, the, my uh, gosh. Yeah. You did have a really, really big issue with Disney trying to sue you because they thought it was Jack Skellington. But oh, then, you know. they did. <laughs> but, you know, every time you they won. try to serve me, they, they did serve me. <laughs> well, you, know, you, you don't want to yeah. come up to this capsule apartment. It is dangerous. <laughs> Ooh. So I do that. And that's my life. I mean. So ev- you have an actual job. 
yeah, I have to uh, keep. I have to keep up with the kids, I, what they like. I think I would make my Music vampire wise. children work. Oh, that'd be nice. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. you, so you're you're developing a whole Lost Boys gang over here. <laughs> I'm very much just made. Where I'm like the creepy. I was thinking like a. Like a Fagin style, like like head of the misfits. Head like. of the misfits. <laughs> See, I'm over here just blood life. I'm making a criminal underworld. I worry of my about children. My, I worry about my blood. I worry about my music. Blood and music. That's and pumpkins. I, and well, yeah, okay, and pumpkins. <laughs> I have to have the pumpkins. For someone who doesn't like pumpkin pie, pumpkins have featured heavily into your persona, Actually, your I, vampire persona. I do enjoy pumpkin pie. It's one of my favorites. You told me you didn't like pumpkin pie. That's that seems like a lie. Is it bad that I... That seems like you made it up. Is it bad that I'm realizing just now that I didn't make it up? I I confused your opinion with pie with my mother's. Oh, see? There you go. That's weird. I mean, it, it is what it is, but I'm a big, <laughs> I'm a big fan of pumpkin pie. <laughs> we should make one for Thanksgiving. Yeah. And as a vampire, because I'm such a big fan, I can't eat it anymore. Oh. That's why I wear the jack-o'-lantern. Also, because it's a classic spooky. <laughs> Classic Pookie Stefan. Would your vampire sona know mine? No, not yet. Um, yet. Not yet. Because I do imagine (laughs) that at some point your criminal underworld activities are going to Mm -hmm. really, really inter... They'll be selling oregano at at your uh, concerts. They're going to intersect (laughs) with... Oh, my my criminal underworld isn't very good. Like It's like kind of bumbling. Yeah, but at some point when your children start (laughs) killing off the kids that go to my concerts, you're hurting my bottom line. No. And then I have to figure out nobody messes <laughs> with my music. Your producer goes missing. Nobody messes with my music. I already <laughs> said it. Blood, music, pumpkins. You take one of those away, we're going to have a problem. I have to bring what this. was it, Pumpkin Jack? What? Pumpkin Jack? Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was, uh, Stefan the Spooky, uh-huh. aka Pumpkin Jack. Pumpkin Jack. Yeah, because the pumpkin and then the, mm-hmm. uh, the little cords. Why didn't you just go with Jack O' Lantern? Oh, I guess, eh, no, it's okay. <laughs> Two on the nose. Pumpkin Jack is better. I like it. I like it. <laughs> hey, Caitlin. Hey, Esteban. How's it going? <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> Me? Oh, I've been listening to other things. I've been listening to stuff without you. <laughs> as as we tend to do. And what I've listened to without you mm-hmm. uh, this week is this podcast, Fancy Free. You heard of this? Um, I heard you mention it and I heard you listening to it the other day. Tell me more about it. Sounds cool. It's just a group of people. It's Joan Jarrett. She's the host. Yes. You know, like we have Caitlin and Esteban. Yes. They have Joan. Joan. And she brings in her friends and they just tell stories, kind of embarrassing stories. Okay, that's cool. That's cool. And yeah, supposed to make people feel kind of what they say is less alone in their imperfection. I just think it's healthy to share with everyone, you know, those funny moments. It's, I think it's good to laugh at oneself. And then I think it's also good to laugh at other people. <laughs> <laughs> it's also, I like that concept because I feel like that so much of what we present online is like this, like hyper real sort of stilted version. And so I like this idea of having this authentic sort of messy moments that you share. That's yes. pretty cool. Yeah. So she'll bring in some pretty interesting guests with That's cool. kind of cool jobs, cool careers. People She's who, got guests? That's awesome. Yeah, she has That's really cool. Tell humbling stories the way that they describe it. So it's something... That I would recommend to other people. Recommend it to you. Maybe you should listen to it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I'll probably keep checking it out. It's Fancy Free. Probably ch- Fancy Free Podcast if you're using the iTunes store. Uh, check them out. That's really cool, yeah. Yeah. 
Okay, so thank you very much for listening. If you want to leave us a review, which by the way would be very, very awesome. It really helps our show to sort of gain traction and sort of like help expose it to more people when we get reviews, particularly through Apple Podcasts. So if you do that, that would be really meaningful. If you have any questions, any comments, any recommendations, because yeah, I could use some recommendations. Please send them to our email address at podcast at gmail.com. So as a spun says, wee wee. Wee wee. <laughs> wee wee podcast. It's a wee wee podcast. <laughs> And then also you can find us on Instagram at WIWWI podcast. And also we're available as usual, as you already know, since you're listening through Anchor, through Apple Podcasts, through Google Play, through Spotify. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever, where, wherever podcasts are sold and or distributed. For free. Given that for free. Yeah. <laughs> we are there. Those places. Those places. <laughs> except for those places we're not, but you know. Yeah, we are where we are, except we are where we are, except where for the places not. where we're not. Yeah, wee wee, wee wee, wee wee. Um. Okay, so I actually have an ending quote for us. Are you ready, Esteban? Always. <clears throat> I'm actually gonna read you. Can we do a reverse where I read this to you and you guess where it's from? Yep. You ready? Burp. Reverse. <laughs> it's my reverse <laughs> noise. We sit around a picnic table. More banana bread is eaten. The family dog comes by for a pat. Something in the simple ease of the conversation feels deeply familiar to me. I haven't felt this relaxed in a long time. Eventually the sun drops, a few photos are snapped, and we hug our farewells. Walking back up the tarot patch past Julia's now deserted bread stand, I begin to laugh. I'm thinking about moving back. That is, <laughs> I, know, I know who that is. That's, I know. That's acclaimed travel writer. <laughs> Andrew McCarthy and star and star of Weekend at Bernie's. Who <laughs> really? You check him out. He's supposed. Yeah, it turns out he's a really successful writer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then maybe check out the movie. Mm. All awesome. right. Well, get that banana bread. Think about moving back. Do the thing. Do the thing. Bye. Bye. <laughs>